the thought that we have uh, for this evening, I told Alan that it was um, the forest of the kingdom. And my, um, my thoughts was in regards to trees. And I wanted to um, set something before you uh, that... Uh, uh, to talk a, a few minutes before we look at the scripture that I wanted to use. And, and trees are really important in the scripture because the Bible says that our Lord Jesus uh, was put on a tree. And you know, he really wasn't. But yet the Bible uses that word uh, to be typical uh, of the cross where Jesus died. And someday, the scriptures tell us in Psalms 96 that all the trees of the field of the woods will rejoice. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 55, that all of the trees will clap their hands. I didn't even know trees had hands, but uh, this is this. Do you know why? And you know, God knows the number of trees that there are. God knows everything, of course, but He knows the number of trees. And you might say, well, how do you know that? Because he says in the Revelation he's going to destroy one-third of them, and you'll have to, have to know the number in order to know that he's destroyed one-third. But the Bible begins in the setting uh, of trees. And God created the trees, put them on the earth, and God uh, put two special trees in the Garden of Eden. And I told you the other night that I believe that those two trees are the vine tree and the fig tree. Um, and there's a lot of reasons that, that I think that. And... If you consider that the vine tree was the cross and that the fig tree was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then this will make you to know that God knew that man would fail him before he was ever created. And he did. And if you want to know the glory of the kingdom... The Bible tells us in the book of Micah chapter 4 and the book of Zechariah chapter 3 that in the kingdom that every man will sit under his own vine tree and fig tree. And this means that Satan will not have won the victory that our Lord Jesus Christ will have. And so... There are a lot of lot of things. And did you know that each one of us are here this evening because of one tree? You're alive, and the whole world is alive. A man told me the other day, he said, Preacher, I have traced my genealogy all the way back to Noah. 
He said, I have worked and worked for this. I said, well, I could have told you that if you had just read the Bible. <laughs> it's amazing how smart fools are. But uh, at any rate, have you ever thought that when God told Noah to make the ark, he just told him about the wood? He told him, of course, about the pitch, but he didn't tell him about any nails, any pegs, any hinges, any, any other kind of material, just one tree. And if they ever find the ark, or if they were ever supposedly found the ark, I'd die. Because I think that that it was extinct after the flood, that it's never existed since, just one time. And that's palology, but when we get to heaven, you'll see it the way I do now. But uh, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles, and we'll. Um, I just wanted to kind of uh, mention this to you. You know, when the children of Israel ran across water after they had left Egypt, that was so bitter they couldn't drink it. Now I want to. I want to just tell you this out of sheer meanness, and I hope you'll listen to what I'm saying, and just take it for what it's worth or whatever. I'm not. Re- I've pastored churches for almost fifty years, and I haven't recently. And. Someone says, uh, do you, do, does it discourage you when people don't listen? Not at all. And they say, are you one of those old narrow-minded guys that think no one but you and your group are going to heaven? No, sir. I'm not that way at all. Because I don't think some of my group's going. <laughs> At any rate, when they came, the children of Israel came to the bitter waters, do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the Lord showed Moses a tree, and he cast that tree into the waters and made it sweet. The bitter experiences of your, of your life will be made sweet if you know the power of the cross of the Lord Jesus. Do you know what the NIV says? Says it was a piece of wood. That ought to tell you something. But but then, uh, Alan's been nice being with you. Uh, uh, I know his... Well, anyway... Uh, That was just mean, and um, I just had to say that. If you look with me in your Bibles to um, 1 Kings chapter 5 and chapter 6, and I want to begin here uh, with our lesson. And I really hope that it will, I really pray that it will be meaningful to you and that... um, 
it, it will be a, a, a real blessing to you. And what I want to do tonight is I want to ask you, if you will, to look with me at two places. And all the lesson is going to be in regards to these two passages. If you're in First Kings chapter 5 and chapter 6, I want you to hold your hand there and turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. And I want to go back and forth in Romans chapter 8 and 1 Kings chapter 5 and chapter 6. If you'll, um, if you'll look with me in 1 Kings chapter 5. I'd like to ask you to look down to verse 6 for a moment, we'll, and we'll start there. In verse 6 of 1 Kings 5, the Scriptures tell us that, Now therefore command thou that they hew me cedar trees out of Lebanon, and my servants shall be with thy servants, and so forth. There's, there's the mention of the tree that I want to use tonight to, um, to bring to you the, the lesson. And it's the cedar tree. You know, in the Garden of Eden, as we mentioned, there were some trees, but there was a cedar tree in the Garden of Eden as well. And if you read in Ezekiel chapter 31, you'll see that there was also a fir tree and there was also a chestnut tree. And these trees were cast into the, some of these trees were cast into the lower parts of the earth, and that's what the Bible says. So there was a cedar tree in the Garden of Eden, and in some manner, these trees were tainted, and God judged them. But God knew a plan where he could use this tree uh, to, to be redeemed. And if you'll read in Leviticus chapter 14 about a leprous man and a leprous house, you'll see that the priest was to go to this leprous man... And you know, ain't that a hoot? That today, all of these faith healers, you got to come to them and pay money. But in God's economy, uh, God sent his man to see the people that was sick. Well, anyway, in order for this leprous man to be cleansed, 
the high priest would take two birds. He would kill one bird over running water. And then he would take cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop and dip it in the blood of this bird that he had killed. Those three things are typical of the three salvations that the Lord will provide for a leprous man, spirit, soul, and body. And then, after that, he was to remain out of the camp, shave his hair, for seven days. And on the eighth day, he would start all over. And that eighth day is the new beginning uh, that the Lord was going to prepare for him. So you see, this cedar tree was really important. It was a picture of the way that the Lord, in a typical way, was going to restore man that was tainted and lost because of sin. And the cedar trees that we're looking at here in 1 Kings chapter 5, <clears throat> you'll notice if you're in 1 Kings 5, that in verse 9, my servants shall bring them down from Lebanon, verse 9 is where I'm, where I'm at, to the sea, and I will convey them by sea in floats. And what he did in verse 6 was he was going to hew these trees down. And what that means is they were to be detached from the world. And that's the first thing that the Lord does with a person is he must cut them down and loose them from the world. And if you look back in verse 9 of 1 Kings 5, the scriptures say that they were to be put on floats and shipped down the sea. And that water's typical of the Holy Spirit, as the water in Leviticus 14 was typical of the Holy Spirit, as the water in Exodus chapter 17 was typical of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 9, if you're following with me, you'll see that there is a word here where, it, where they were to be placed and shipped to a place that Solomon appointed. And this word appoint is the same word that's used in Exodus chapter 8. When Moses is telling the Pharaoh that he's supposed to be letting his people go, setting them free. Now with that in your mind, hold, hold your hand here and flip over to Romans chapter 8 for a minute. Paul speaks in Romans 8 and verse 2. 
And this is what he says. For the law of the spirit of life, which is what we read of typically in 1 Kings 5, in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Here's the freedom that we're talking about. And this was the cedar tree. And if you look back in 1 Kings chapter 5, there was a huge price in verse 11 that Solomon paid uh, for these trees to be shipped to him. Now, if you just keep this in mind, you'll see that there's a lot of material that's used and that's mentioned here uh, in these two chapters. If you will look over to chapter 6 and verse 7, you'll see that the house, when it was building, was built of stone, made ready before it was brought thither, so that there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron in the house while it was in building. Now, that'd be pretty tough. They had to hew the stones out, and yet they had to be far away enough that you couldn't hear that in the house. It took a great deal of wisdom and a lot of measurements and a, a, a lot of skill to do something like that. But you know what the scriptures tell us that we are? We are living stones. Ephesians 2, we are a habitation for God, a holy temple. Now, what they did with these stones was they put them together and they plastered them. And I'm going to read this to you, but, um, but I don't want you to, to, to turn there. You know, um, uh, if you can just hold your own where you are, you will, will be. Uh, but in First Chronicles chapter 29, if you want to look later, in the fourth verse of First Chronicles 29, you'll see that David had prepared the material for this house, and there was silver that he used. And in verse 4 of chapter 29 in 1 Chronicles, it was refined silver. And it was to overlay the walls of the house. And this word overlay is actually translated plaster in other places. So they had these stones and they put them together and they used silver. Man, can you imagine what the cost of that would be? I've thought about building me a house like this, but... uh, I just thought, 
they used silver for mortar and plaster. Do you know what silver is typical of? Redemption. Redemption money. It's typical of God's Word. Psalms 12, His Word is as silver that's tried in the furnace, refined. That's what holds us together. Now, if you did something like that, wouldn't you want people to come by and brag? Look at this. Man, how could you ever... Look at how beautiful this is. But let me ask you to look back to 1 Kings for a minute. Look in chapter 6 and look in verse 18. There was no stone seen. It's amazing. Why the Lord would go to all of this skill and use all of this precious metal, but no stone was seen. And when you read Ephesians 2 and 1 Peter 2, and you think about what we are, we're not what you see. We're what the Holy Spirit has done His silent work within, and we are held together by the redeeming Word of God. And people ask me a lot of times in 50 years, you know, do you think this man saved? I only know of one person that's saved for sure. All the rest of you are on your own. I only know of one person, and that is me. No stone was seen because our lives are hid in Christ Jesus. Well, what covered them up? Look up in verse 16 of 1 Kings 6. And you will see he built these special places and the walls were all covered with boards of cedar. And this was a special room, but then in verse 18, the cedar of the house within was carved with knobs and open flowers, all was cedar, and there was no stone that was seen. Well, if you'll, if you'll think about this for a minute, and look back over with me in 1 Kings chapter 6 to verse 29. He carved all the walls of the house round about, with carved figures, cherubim, palm trees, open flowers, within and without. Now, all of this cedar was brought 
to Solomon by the river or by the sea. And if you look back to Romans chapter 8 and you look in verse 14, you'll see that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the adult, mature, real sons of God. Not children, but sons. These are those that have been directed by the Spirit. Do you know what God's purpose is? If you, if you will consider this word a point back in 1 Kings 5, 9 for a minute, and you will follow with me in verse 18 of 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse 28. Uh, you will see verse 29, I'm sorry, that these cedar boards were carved. Now, in the last part of 1 Kings chapter 6, you'll see that there was a door that went into the temple. There was a door that went into the oracle place, but there was a door that went into the temple as well. And if you look in verse 34 of 1 Kings 6, this door was made uh, of a fir tree. And on this door, there were cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. Do you know who the door is? The boards were to be conformed to the image of the door. And if you read in Romans chapter 8, you'll see that for whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I hope you won't be confused by this word predestinate. That means, you know, you read people and they say, Men, that means when we're saved, it's all settled. No, it ain't. Well, what does predestinate mean? It means that's God's will for your life. It's predetermined that you would be conformed to the image of His Son. It's two words. It's predetermined. That it couldn't be anything less. God could not desire anything less than perfection for your life. But let me tell you something. Go down to the Greyhound bus station. Buy you a ticket to Nashville. And that ticket is predetermining you as to your destination. But did you know you could miss the bus? And that's the meaning of biblical predestination 
it does not mean no matter what Calvinism that it's going to be no matter, you know, you can miss the bus. But God's will for you is that you be conformed to the image of his son. Now look back to 1 Kings for a minute. <clears throat> and I'll try to try to move along. In 1 Kings, you'll notice that in verse 18 of chapter 6 that there were knobs and open flowers. And if you look down to verse 29 in 1 Kings 6, you'll see that there were cherubim, palm trees, and flowers. And if you compare that with verse 35 in the door of the temple, uh, there were only cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. Do you see the difference? In the door... There were no knobs. The knobs were in the boards. And that's important for you to see. And this word knobs here is, is the word wild gourds. It was something that was poisonous that would make you sick, possibly kill you. There was no such thing in the Lord Jesus. Why that's important is because of what I'm going to read to you in Second Kings for a minute. And in Second Kings chapter 4, you'll remember this story, I hope where the scriptures tell us that the prophets, you have to watch the prophets. You know, we still have prophets. Did, did y'all know that? We do. They, they, they spell their names different. It's P-R-O-F-I-T-S. Uh, Send me your money. <laughs> but in verse 39 of Second Kings 4, you know, they, they gathered these herbs. And uh, in verse 39, they gathered wild gourds. And so they tasted of it, and it was really making them sick and bad and they called on Elisha, and what he did is he said, Bring them meal, crushed flour. Put the meal in the pot. And they poured out for the people that they made, and there was no harm in the pot. And boy, we need the meal in the church today. The Word of God. Did you know that this occurs, this, this word meal occurs in the scripture in Genesis chapter 18 when the three angelic beings or the Lord came to be with Abraham 
And Abraham cried out, Give me three measures of meal. And that's the way he had fellowship with God. Do you know where it was at? It was under a tree. Three measures of meal. That's used one other place in the scripture. And it's in, well, it's in the New Testament a couple of times. But uh, it's where the Lord told the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven that there was a woman that came and put leaven in the three measures of meal. That's why we've lost fellowship. That's why the world has gone and the church has become so worldly, you don't know if the world is the church or the church is the world. It's still true. Anybody's faith, anyone's faith, that's not disruptive in this day has a very bad faith. It's true. But nonetheless, this meal cured the gourds. But now, let me get to the, to the heart of... My time's almost gone, but let me uh, get to the heart of this. You see... When these boards were put up here, there was a skilled person, and he carved the boards. That's comparable to the suffering that Paul mentions in Romans chapter 8. He says in verse 17 that we're heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him. And let me tell you, we shall, through much tribulation, inherit the kingdom. The Lord told us that grievous wolves would come in among us. And then there would be those even of our own number that would try to destroy us. You wouldn't believe some of the things that have happened to us. Or perhaps they've happened to you. But the sufferings. But let me encourage you. You have an appointment to meet in the Lord's place. And the Lord told His disciples in Luke chapter 22... I appoint unto you a kingdom. These cedar boards were the same way. They were to be shipped by sea to a certain place for an appointment. Now, this carving, this suffering is not easy. But remember this, each one of you in your individual lives, that when the Lord allows this to come into your life, that there is behind this a skilled artist 
who is carving a pattern for his glory in your life. There were, there were cherubim. Uh, there were open flowers. There were palm trees. The cherubim speak to us of his mercy because that was what blocked us out of the Garden of Eden. The palm trees speak to us of the victory. And didn't the Lord promise us in Psalms 92 that we would flourish as a palm tree? And then he tells us that there are the open flowers and these are the glory. And Jesus said that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these. But now, let me, um, let me mention this to you again. <clears throat> when he carves this pattern in your life, and it's difficult, and some of you have suffered much worse than others. Some of you will suffer much worse. But let me suggest this to you. The deeper he cuts into the board, do you know what happened? He filled it with gold. And the deeper he cut, the more gold it took to fill it in. This is why Paul says in Romans chapter 8, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed within us. Now, if you want to know something about what I think of that verse, I don't get that at all. But I know it's true. And let me read you another verse that's comparable to this. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and in the 16th verse he says, We faint not, though our outward man perish, Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. The outward man's being carved up like the boards. But the inward man is still held together like the stones by the precious word of God. And then he says in verse 17, For our light affliction. And what I like to say to Paul is, You just don't understand. But our light affliction, which is but for a moment that Arlen mentioned the other night, uh, the atomos, uh, an indivisible amount of time. And it works for us a far, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And we look not at the things that are seen, 
but at the things that are not seen. So the deeper the cut, the more the glory. Think of that. And I hope that that will tend, tend to encourage you. Now I want you to look with me in Romans chapter 8 for a minute. And I talked to you about the trees and the trees clapping there. Why, why do they do that? When you go out tonight and the wind's blowing and those tree leaves are, uh, are dingling and so forth, think of this. Did you know that the trees have more sense than many people? They are more godly. They're more mindful of things. But preacher, you don't know that. Sure I do. In verse 19 of Romans chapter 8, for the earnest expectation of the creation we're talking about trees. God created the trees. Waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. And to me, that is amazing. And the other night, I went out on my deck and the wind was blowing. We've had two or three trees to fall. Uh, uh, in our yard, and I was praying they wouldn't, and then I thought, uh, these trees are clapping their hands, waiting for the manifestation of those children of God that will one day come to rule and reign over this earth. Let me, um, let me mention a couple of other things, and then... Then I'll close for this evening. I know, I know that you'll say, this was a magnificent building, this temple was. But did you know that Nebuchadnezzar destroyed it? Yeah, but preacher, that kind of... Uh, Messes your message up, don't it? No. And you compare this with Romans chapter 8 when Paul says that he's persuaded that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Do you know why he built this building? It was a place for God to put his name it's still there you can destroy the children but you can't destroy the mom did you know that if you when the children of Israel talk to um, Talk to Moses, and Moses related to them. Let me read this to you. Look with me in your Bibles, and, and you don't have to, I won't come back here. Look with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 22 for a minute. I'm really glad. 
in some ways that uh, we don't live under the mosaic the mosaic law and in some ways I wish we did because you know when you get married under the mosaic law you didn't have to hit a lick for a year but you know why you didn't the man had had to stay at home and cheer his wife up over the mistake she had made but uh, <laughs> uh, anyway uh, the last part of that's palology, but <laughs> look with me in Deuteronomy 22 for a minute. In 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 verse six, if a bird's nest chanced to be before thee in the way in any tree or on the ground whether they be young ones or eggs, the dam or the mother sitting upon the young or upon the eggs, thou shalt not take the mother, but thou shalt in any wise let the mother go and take the young to thee that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest prolong thy days. You can destroy the children but you can't destroy the source. There is a place called the New Jerusalem. And you can destroy a lot of the children, but you can't destroy that because she is the mother of us all. Why would God put something so simple like that if he didn't want us to see a spiritual truth in regards to it. Nebuchadnezzar may have destroyed the building, but the name of the Lord is everlasting. And you might say, but how would that still affect the children of Israel? didn't affect Daniel at all. He opened his windows according to the promise of God's word in First Chronicles. And Jerusalem was in ashes, but he prayed to the place where God's name was. And God restored the children in the city of, of, of Jerusalem. One day, through all of this working, our Lord Jesus will reward those of you who have suffered with him and not denied him and will reign with him in that glorious kingdom that he's promised to us. Thank you for your attention. God bless you. And again, I apologize for skipping out on you this evening, this morning.